Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. To write an email like that comes um, after a lot of conversation and born of frustration. Um, we got beyond that and solved the, the challenges that were at the heart of that uh, email, which was written five plus months ago. So I think we're in a, in a better place. Okay, great. Your Ben Jarofsky show for <laughs> Thursday, June 17th. Uh, no, come on, D. That's hilarious. That's uh, that's Mayor Lightfoot's explanation of the email. We'll be talking about that. Oh, what a week. I see you right around the corner, D. See you right around the corner. Yeah, we'll be talking that uh, email deal. <laughs> Tomorrow, oh, what a week it was. But your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, June 17th, is just moments away. But let's thank our sponsors, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and Chicago Reader. We're all sponsors. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com. Also, become a binhead. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky for more information. Thursday, June 17th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of our dear friends Juanita Irizarry and LG Lori Glenn. And now your host. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Doomsday Thursday, and here's why. I woke up this morning to the sounds of splashing. That's the sounds of splashing, D. Okay? Sounds of splashing. And that's the sound of the Sears Tower jumping in the lake. Actually, I'm not even sure if it's still called the Sears Tower. It could be called Willis Tower. Get back to me in that one, D. I know I can't keep track of all these names changes. The point is, yesterday the General Assembly did something so scary, so frightening, so diabolically threatening to the stability of our fair city that our tallest skyscrapers got so scared they bolted out of their foundations and jumped into the lake, causing a great splashing sound, which I will now replicate one more time. And what was it that the General Assembly did that was so frightening? They voted to create an elected school board. No longer will these schools be managed by a board of mayoral appointees. Instead, they will in some distant future, once the details are ironed out, be managed by a board that you, the people, elect. Ah! (laughs) Good day. I like that. Give me a little heads up, you know. Should have let me know before the show there. I would have had that ready. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you don't want to all go overboard with the pre-show prep. You yeah, know what I'm right. saying? You're right. You're yeah, right. You know. That was, by the way, the sound of the Standard Oil building screaming in fright and then jumping into the lake. I don't even know if they call that 
the Standard Oil building anymore. I can't keep track. Did they name it for some other corporation who paid the owner for naming rights? And then we, the people, are supposed to keep track of the naming rights? By the way, on a tangent, isn't it funny that we're supposed to be so scared and frightened and upset when the city council thinks about changing the name of the outer drive to DeSable Drive, but change the name of Sears to Willis or Willis to Sears or whatever they did? And it's like, come on, Ben, it's capitalism, man. Which brings me to today's trivia question. Dennis, wake up. And answer this for 10 trivia points. What? And by the way, no pre-show prep, folks. He does not know this one. Here we go. What is the official name of the ballpark where my beloved Chicago White Sox play? Go ahead, D. The name of it now? Yeah. Yes. Guaranteed rate field. How did you know that? Uh. <laughs> are, are you looking at your phone? No. God damn it. I hate it when millennials know stuff. Anyway, yes, it's true. <laughs> It's guaranteed. I always forget. Sometimes yeah, I think you always forget. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's flat rate feel, but I think that's just the they're like marketing thing. We have the flattest interest rates. And they have a. Uh, I was just at the game with my dear friend Josh. What up, Josh? On Monday, and they have this uh, on the sign in center field. D. They got an arrow pointing down to represent the interest rates falling. But I don't know. It's just like, I'm like, that's like a bad vibe to my beloved White Sox. Like, you're going down. Anyway, folks, come on now. If they could call the baseball park Guarantee Rate Field, you could survive the changing the name Outer Drive to DeSable Drive. You don't even have to call it DeSable Drive. You can still call it Lakeshore Drive or Outer Drive. Nothing will happen to you. As I will now demonstrate by calling White Sox Park, White Sox Park, as opposed to Guarantee Rate Park. See, no bolt of lightning came out of the sky. I'm still living here. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. The existential threat of catastrophe caused by changing and the mayoral appointed board to a people elected one. Not only do we have the splash of the Sears Tower jumping into the lake, but we have. <laughs> well, that sounded like the Hancock building jumping in the lake. Thing. But we have this sound. Follow me on this one, folks. <laughs> That's the sound of test scores plummeting throughout the city. As my beloved bright one, home delivered every day, the Chicago Sun-Times editorial wrote, they said, if we have an elected school board, test scores will fall throughout the city. I see this moment when young scholars faced with the question that used to perplex me because I was not good at multiple choice tests, folks. So the question is, boy is to man what girl is to, and then you have to fill in the blank. And you have choices, like you can have woman, or you can have house, or you can have flat rate field. Young Benny Jarofsky would be like, oh, man, I know this one. And young scholars throughout the city of Chicago are going to be just like young Benny Jarofsky at Nichols Junior High in Evanston back in 1967, facing that standardized test going, I don't know. Here's another one. Young scholars throughout the city, according to the Sun-Times, because we've switched to an appointed, from an appointed school board to an elected one, we'll be confronting the following mathematical problem. Two plus two equals, I don't know. Wait, there's more dangers ahead, according to the Sun-Times. D, that's the sound of property taxes going up. I love Sometimes it. predicting that too. A good Let's sound. try that one again. So we like that's the sound of test scores falling. Property taxes going up. 
Like my property taxes haven't been going up year after year. I'm going to ask Juanita, who's our guest, if her property taxes have been going up year after year. LG, I'm going to ask her somehow or other. Property taxes haven't been rising, but as soon as we have an elected school board, you watch. And what other catastrophe did the powers that be in the city of Chicago predict what happened once we had an elected school board? This one. Vroom. That's the sound of moving vans. <laughs> Carrying families to Tennessee as families all over the city of Chicago gather around the kitchen table. Mom and dad and the kids. Dad in the somber tone says, sorry, kids, but your mom and I have decided we have no choice but to pull up stakes from Humble Park and move the family to Tennessee. And the kids are like, but daddy, why? Because, son, I don't know how to break this to you. We're going to have an elected school board, (laughs) not an appointed one. At which point the kids burst into tears and start wailing. No, not an elected school board. Chicago, you are very funny people. You're very, very superstitious. You have this unquestionable faith in the power of your mayor. If he or she is your mayor, he or she must be these omnipotent, wise being that rules the world with fairness and wisdom. And any deviation from that path where we bow down every day to our all-powerful mayor is as frightening as the Sears Tower jumping into the lake. We got a great show today, everybody. My guest, (laughs) I got two superstar guests. Good friends of this show, and they're not afraid of the Sears Tower jumping in the lake. And I'll bet you both of them know what the Sears Tower really is called. Unlike me, who I'm not quite sure what the thing is called these days. Lori Glenn, LG, as I call her in the show. And Juanita Irizarry. Before Juanita, I bring you on. I'm going to do what I always do when Juanita is a guest in the show. Juanita is with Friends of the Park, executive director of Friends of the Park. The views and opinions of Juanita do not. Repeat, do not reflect friends of the park. So if she says something that's from her heart, leave her alone, people. Okay, leave her alone and leave friends of the park alone. They do good work. They stand up to the powers that be to protect our open space. How about that one? Do you like that as an introduction? That sounds good. Thank you. Of course, we say that. And then we always talk about things that force me to kind of to get into stuff that friends of the parks actually may have an opinion on. And we will do that again today. Um, But yes, thank you. I will definitely say some things that are my opinion and my opinion alone. And by the way, if I must call the Sears Tower, the Willis Tower, I call it the Big Willie. All right, Lori Glenn, uh, I'll uh, is there anything I should put out there like the views and opinions of Lori Glenn do not necessarily reflect blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, my opinions reflect my opinions. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, the last time uh, we, we had, we, we had the show for some reason, I can't remember why Lori couldn't join us. So it was Juanita alone. We spent a lot of time talking about the Obama center. I urge everybody to check that one out. That was a really uh, a good interview. If I must say so myself, Juanita. So I'm going to start with you. And then we'll bring Laurie in uh, with DuSable Drive. This one kind of heads into Friends of the Park territory. And uh, we've had a conversation in the show about this a lot. Uh, Alderman David Moore was on the show, who is the chief proponent uh, of this measure to change the name of the Outer Drive from the Outer Drive to uh, DuSable Drive uh, tomorrow. No, I believe next Wednesday it'll come before the Chicago City Council. Mayor Laurie Lightfoot pulled 
pretty slick move. Got to give her credit. Uh, if you don't believe in democracy, instead of uh, selecting Sophia King, whose hand was in the air, Alderman Sophia King, which had an immediate roll call vote on the changing the name, uh, she selected Brian Hopkins of the second ward. He called for defer and publish. And so she has another month to twist aldermanic arms and get him to back away uh, from this endeavor. So Juanita, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on changing the name of Outer Drive to DeSable Drive. Yeah, um, thanks. This actually really is an interesting one in terms of the distinction between Juanita's opinion and Friends of the Park's opinion or whatever. But um, personally, I would be just fine with it being called DuSable Drive. Um, And I think, you know, it's a really touchy subject when you look at kind of who has decided it should be DuSable Drive and who doesn't like that. It really does break down pretty strongly along race. And I think it's quite sad um, that that is a reality that there's so much resistance over something that seems to be, um, you know, more challenging for some folks, maybe because it's a black man. I hate if that's really the reason why. Um, I will say Friends of the Parks has no position on DuSable Drive because we are not in charge of, like, highways and streets and you know as much as we care about lakeshore drive in terms of how it relates to the park system and the open clear and free lakefront we have not taken a position on the naming of dusable drive um but you know we uh, have a, for a long time held space for um an an active effort to make DuSable Park become a real thing. And just to remind people of the history, back in, I think, 1987, Harold Washington, uh, the mayor, of course, um, named this piece of land um, that is just east of Lakeshore Drive and just west of Navy Pier, um, DuSable Park. And for 30-plus years, there has been... Uh, campaign and waiting process to have that actually be actualized. And um, we've been holding together sometimes from way behind the scenes and sometimes out in front a coalition of folks from folks that are part of the Harold Washington legacy to Haitian Americans who are really excited about the Haitian legacy to the American Indian Center and other Native American partners who really want to make sure uh, Kitty Hawa, the wife of DuSable, is lifted up in this process. And um, neighbors through the Streeterville Organization of Active Residents, or SOAR, who have all been working to make this park a real thing. And we are so, so, so close. And we are actually very, very, very happy to hear um, Mayor Lightfoot say she wants to put an additional $30 million in to make sure that there are statues for DuSable and for Kirihawa along the Riverwalk and a great connection between the Riverwalk, which would be renamed the DuSable Riverwalk, over to the park, which would be the east end of uh, the northeast end of the Riverwalk. So, I mean, we think these things are complementary. Um, and we have said that to Alderman David Moore, uh, you know, personally, and he's also been really great in calling friends of the parks over to his neighborhood and say, help me activate my local parks. So, you know, you know, we say cool, but we haven't really gotten into the actual fight about DuSable Drive. That's oh, all right. Very good. Lori, your thoughts on this. Um, <clears throat> thanks, Ben. Uh, I think that people don't like change just in general. Um, Our work in public affairs, oftentimes, you know, we're brought in because people want to change things. So there's a fight. And um, I think that 
Lakeshore Drive is, you know, part of an identity um, of Chicago of a certain generation, too. So older people and especially, you know, old white people uh, and people who live on Lakeshore Drive, they're going to feel an affinity. You know, there are songs, Steve Goodman, who is a very famous folk singer, or someone wrote, uh, or was it another folk singer who wrote a song about Lakeshore Drive? And it, it's kind of iconic. I mean, you cannot deny that there is an international brand about Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. There are lots of reasons people feel strongly about it. And I bet the people who live on Lakeshore Drive, they really, that is a cachet address. So I think there's lots of concern around that. But on the other hand, it's like, so sad, too bad. (laughs) Uh, The world does evolve and change. And uh, for whatever reason, somehow we couldn't seem to get our act together to name anything over one of the founders of the city of Chicago, right? DuSable, who happens to be a man of color. So I think that this is an opportunity for Chicago to lead again to show um, because, you know, let's be honest, considering that we've been called the you know, most divided racist country city in America, there are opportunities here for us to demonstrate uh, both symbolically as well as for real that we are changing our tune. So while the old white woman in me who um, <laughs> grew up with Lakeshore Drive goes, oh, I really loved LSD, you know, for so many reasons. I go, okay, well, I think I'll give it up for diversity, equity, and inclusion <laughs> and say it's time for a change. So um, that's what I want to say. I mean, it's understandable. People don't like change, period. And then there are just some really racist people in the world. And the idea of uplifting and elevating a man of color as the front line of this gorgeous lakefront uh, probably really upsets them. And I just have no sympathy for them whatsoever. Again, my mantra, so sad, too bad. All right. Uh, and as the real old guy in the show, this is the second time this week I've had to correct a guest about that song. Uh, uh, Alderman uh, Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosa was on the show a couple of days ago and we talked about this and uh, he stumbled upon the song, too. So it's not Steve Goodman who wrote the song. He did do a song, uh, Steve Goodman. He wrote a song about this sort of area of town, Lincoln Park Pirates. It's yes. one of Juanita's favorite songs. She sings it all the time. And uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, his uh, the group that wrote the Lakeshore Drive song sounds like a, the name of a law firm. I am not making this up, Lori Glenn. I believe, and don't quote me on this, it's Aliota Haynes and Jeremiah, or maybe Aliota Jeremiah and Haynes. It's something like that. There's three names in it, uh, and I absolutely love the song. A little, yeah. I'm not ashamed to admit it. A little bit. Uh, I will not sing the song, uh, but I. <laughs> After hearing Tuesday's show, uh, Carlos made fun of the song, and and then he said he didn't know the name of the song, uh, and I made a bet with him, uh, one of our famous bets, which I 
I, you know, it's these bets I make, uh, Lori Glenn, I always lose them because there's really no way of proving the other. I said his mom would know the name of the song, and he said his mom would not know the name of the song. Uh, I believe that anybody pretty much over the age of 60 has at least heard the song. And he said, no, that's just white people. <laughs> so I'm going to throw this one at Juanita. Juanita, have you ever heard that song, uh, Lakeshore Drive? Um, I feel like I know that there's a song, but I sure couldn't hum it for you. Okay. And I'm not over 60. <laughs> no, she, oh my God, I did not want. No, I know. I know you're not suggesting that, but I'm sitting here trying to figure out if my parents would know it. And my mom and dad were uh, raised in New York, but have lived in Chicago for 50 years. Um, my dad is gone now, but I really can't say that I think they would know it either, but you know, I don't All know. Right. But it's funny because. Um, what, what Carlos put out there, cause I could not understand, uh, Lori, why there was opposition to this because it would not change mailing addresses. So it's not an inconvenience. It's, it's like, who cares what the city calls? It's like, I was doing my riff about Sears tower. I still call it Sears tower. I still call it Sox park. I don't care if Jerry Reinsdorf cut a deal with some mortgage company where they're paying him for naming rights. So that if I were doing, uh, the post game commentary on W whatever station has the White Sox, I would have to say, you know, guaranteed rate field where the White Sox play. I, what do I care? You know, so I do not understand, Lori Glenn, the opposition. And Carlos was saying, well, it's baby, blamed it on baby boomers. It's like baby boomers love that song so much that they can't deal with changing. And I have not met one baby boomer. And I know a lot of baby boomers, Lori Glenn. I've not met one baby boomer. And I live on the north side. There's tons of baby boomers walking around who know that song. I've not met one baby boomer that has <laughs> opined an opposition to this. So I'm starting to think that this notion of an opposition to Lakeshore Drive change is something, it's like one of these Chicago myths that exist in people's mind. What do you think? It's part of the marketing of the city. I, no, I, okay. So I believe that it should be voted to be changed. I'm on the record. Fine, change it. But I do understand that in terms of marketing, which is part of what we do as well at Think Inc., that there is, okay, I hate this word, but there is a brand. And Chicago has a brand and an international brand as well as national. And part of that is our lakefront. We are renowned. We have a gorgeous, very beautiful lakefront. Our skyscrapers, um, our, our mountains. It's like a mountain range. It's really an incredible panorama. And Lakeshore Drive, LSD, it's really malefic. And it's something everyone can relate to, everyone can share. And they've spent probably over time hundreds of millions of dollars branding Lakeshore Drive. Okay? So that is real. So we will give up some cachet as a result of making this change initially. But then we will rebrand and redevelop because the Lakeshore Drive is still magnificent, just like we have the Magnificent Mile, which got a little dinged in the riots, but is still pretty magnificent. I've been down it lately and they've cleaned it up a lot. So I think that this is just goes back to the fact, because I see it all the time. People don't like change. 
It's like me and Google Docs. Okay? <laughs> so I'm working with a whole bunch of people who are millennials and they live their life on Google. And then me, not so much, but now me all the time. And one of my favorite millennials, um, Marie, actually, uh, basically, I called her up in a fit of rage as I was trying to edit a slide presentation and said, where is the edit button? <laughs> I have to edit this and it's missing. So, um, but I'm trying as a, um, I'm not quite really, I'm at the very tail end of being a baby boomer. So I'm really not kind of technically one, but sort of. But I believe in change. And I listened to my 90-year-old mother who, when I talked to her every day, like a nice Jewish girl does every day, I call my mother for some really, you know, dysfunctional conversation. <laughs> me annoy. I mean, it's like, but every day she tells me how terrible the world is how sad she is that I have to live in it and that she won't be around much longer. I mean, it's really like this and that everything that changes and that's new is bad. The music is bad. The films are bad. The this is bad, blah, 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 blah. So I think it just goes into the whole generational issue and that people don't like change. So it's understandable. And Lakeshore Drive is a great name. So it's not like it's, an inherently racist name. There is nothing about that name that inherently says good or bad things about anyone of color. However, we as a city have a choice to make about the power of being the third largest city in America and the symbols that we choose, like there's the whole issue around the monuments, which I'm sure Juanita is involved with deeply. Yep. So why do we decide that we have to rethink our monuments. Well, maybe because we have very few monuments that honor the incredible contributions that people of color and women and other people who are of various sexualities um, have been part of, and we do not honor them. There isn't a legacy of that. So our public history uh, or history needs to be broadened. And so, but again, people are very upset because um, if one statue goes, you know, there's only so many places for statues. So whose legacy get rises to the top? Mm -hmm. But I will say this, it is understandable the position that the city is taking because of their interest in bringing business to Chicago and generating revenue and through tourism and all of that. So I can understand their concerns, but I support change because that's kind of my nature and that we need to allow young people, because this is a young person's world, and I think there's an enormous generation shift that's going on right now in terms of leadership in America. And I say, let them speak. Well, can I say one more thing about Go this? ahead. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading some article, I guess, I don't remember where it was, that Ask the question how people would feel if we called it Burnham Drive rather than DuSable Drive. And I don't even remember what the data said, if that was included in a poll. Um, but I, I do think part of the issue is simply it's difficult to change a name because people are used to a name and it's iconic and all the things that Lori said, right? However, I, you know, I'm on a 
Facebook group in a particular part of Logan Square. I was watching folks chime in. Somebody asked the question about the name change. And I got to say, everyone who said this is the most stupid thing I've ever seen was white. And everyone who said, not everyone. Okay, there were a few white folks who said, wait a minute brethren, fellow white people, chill out, right? But overwhelmingly, the people who said this is literally stupid, you know, were white folks. And the people of color, you know, were like, what's the deal? You know, so I do think, and these are probably more younger folks because, you know, Logan Square is hipster heaven. You know, so it's not just a generational thing, I don't think, right? Um, And I think even to Lori's last point about, you know, the the mayor's office in the city wanting to make sure that, you know, they could still derive the tourism and, you know, the economic benefit. And they feel that the name is very connected to that. Um, And I get that. And I understand what Lori has just said about that. But I think that we have to say that that's part of why there's like frustration and resentment in communities of color. that don't feel like they ever get any of the benefit of that tourism or economic dollars coming to the city anyway. Right. So there's it's, like Lori said, it's an opportunity for the city to really think about how does it want to position itself? Who does it want to be? And I will add that we can restore the fact that Du Sable was a founder of Chicago in the name, you know, in the minds of people and people say, Oh my goodness, he wasn't the founder. But if you really study the history, there was an actual effort by Kinsey, John Kinsey to rewrite the history and put him as the center of like the first non-native settling of Chicago over a black man. Right. So we have an actual literal effort in our history to, you know, whitewash, the fact that there was this black man who was also Haitian, um, who was that first non-native settler, right? So anyway, I think it would be good. Again, right. his opinion, not a friend of his position. Right. But actually, what I think is really important, though, is that lots of people have different opinions. Yeah. And that we duke it out in yeah. the uh, field of ideas. And then hopefully, you know, there is a vote and that the majority wins. And then if it becomes DuSable, it it is changed and we will then go from there. But I do want to say something because I've been thinking this a lot, that um, if people are inherently racist or if they're coming from a place where they really think people are less because of their whiteness or whateverness, because it, you know, that can go in a lot of different places. You know, I that is just a fundamental not okay thing to me. And we've, we made a deal with the devil when we created the United States that we allowed slavery. And we are all still contending with this issue as we watch the Republicans across the country in states try to limit people's ability to vote. This is all tied into that essential deal that was made and struck between the North and the South to create the United States of America. And until we address, really address the issues and underlying racism that manifests itself systemically and institutionally, we will continue to have these battles where white people who believe that somehow they are intrinsically more entitled we are going to continue to have these battles because there is only so much to go around. And the fact is, is that 
white people have to address the fact that they're going to have to share more of what there is to go around with people of color. And they don't like it. <laughs> well, there's so much to go around, Lori, that is held in a very few very hands. That's correct. And actually, if we could do more of that redistributing, like we've seen this this week with um what is her name? I'm supposed to know her name, Mackenzie Scott, um, you know, who's made all these donations of all this money that she notes was made by systems that need to be changed. Um, you know, we could even get away from some of that pain that you're alluding to that maybe the average middle class white person is afraid that they have to give something up. Right. And, and we've, we've been put in this position that it's like we're against each other, but it's really like a super uber wealthy set of folks that if we could change how they've been allowed to hoard almost all of the resources of the world, then the rest of us wouldn't have to be doing battle over petty stuff. Right. That's right. Right. Well, we're looking at, um, CEOs now making more than 347 times the amount of the average worker in their country, I mean, in their company. I want you to think about that, that these people are elevated to such a point uh, by their boards of directors that they think that they need to pay them such an insane amount of money. And then we provide tax loopholes because they can have lobbyists lobby Congress to the extent that they don't have to pay any taxation. So it is very interesting on a global level. There are discussions now that will potentially force Facebook and other global corporations to have to pay taxes (laughs) where they actually sell items. Imagine that. (laughs) Yes. Like the rest of us that I don't know about you, but I got to pay taxes every year, all the time on all my income. And that's just still seems to happen. But somehow, Uh, how is this tied together? Well, it is. So how or why is that connected to why we want to call something Dusable Drive versus Lakeshore Drive, right? But it's all the same thing. Well, I, I, I would put, by the way, the two of you, those were great riffs. I was just sitting back really enjoying those two riffs that you guys went on. And uh, just for folks who may not know, Mackenzie Scott is uh, Jeff Bezos's ex-wife. She picked up a lot of money in a divorce with the, the man uh, who uh, runs Amazon. And I always like to remind people this, who would, would have been the beneficiary of over $2 billion worth of handout from the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, thinking, talking about spending money on rich people that we don't spend on poor people. Uh, but, uh, Bezos decided to turn down Chicago's offer, go with New York. And then he pulled away from New York because AOC said, uh, no, I, I don't think this is a great idea. So it turns out he didn't even need a second corporation anyway. Uh, and he subsequently had a divorce. Uh, his wife picked up a huge chunk of change uh, in uh, the divorce settlement, and now she's giving it away. And anytime she wants to make a donation to the Ben Jarofsky show, our hand is out and ready to take it. We got to feed Dr. D, man. The guy eats like a horse. Um, that is correct. But, uh, but you know what? Before we leave this one, and uh, I just have to point this out, and I think Juanita will get a smile out of this. Um, David Moore, when he was on the show, uh, Lori and Juanita, was pointing out how his proposal to change the name of the outer drive to DeSable Drive would really cost nothing. And yet, in an effort and attempt to block it, 
uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was committing, I think it was, don't quote me, and it's like $45 million uh, f- to uh, finally make good on the promises for DeSable Park, uh, which is on the north side, as uh, Juanita was pointing out. And uh, so I've been thinking about this ever since. I think that people should, uh, David Moore should propose to rename Washington Park Fred Hampton Park. You oh. want to make some money from the city of Chicago? Yeah. They'll pay you so much money for Southside Parks yes. not to name it Fred Hampton Park. Yeah. David Moore, you could take that idea, run with it. You don't have to give me any credit at all. Uh, but one know, before we leave this, you got to smile. You have to smile. All of a sudden, the city of Chicago's got money for a park. <laughs> yes. Where was that money before? David Moore said, "Hey, let's change the name of Lakeshore Drive." Am I cynical and jaded? One no, Arizona. You know how many times when we have not been able to get DuSable Park to move, and somebody has said, "There's no money." I've said, "Well, what about the 606? And what about Millennium Park? And what about this? And what about that?" So they find money for things when they care. And I gotta say, I'm glad that the circumstances now are causing Lori Lightfoot to care, right? Because we've been trying for a really long time to get DuSable Park, and you just said it's on the north side, and that is true. But let me say. The vision has always been to lift up this black man and to have kids from Chicago know that a black man, a Haitian immigrant and his you know, Native American wife are really at the foundation of this city and that kids from the public schools could come, you know, on educational field trips down to this park and to feel like this park is theirs and the city is theirs, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't fit some of the equity stuff that we work on in terms of being physically located in a a disinvested community. But we think the vision that the many stakeholders have been casting for a long time of letting those neighborhood kids, you know, feel like this is theirs and represents them as well as tourists to come to Chicago and say, wait a minute, we're actually really proud, you know, of this city and uh, of being, you know, settled by, you know, this African-American or Haitian-American black man um, in combination with the tribe. And, and let's let me tell you, it's really important, the history that Dusabo married into the Potawatomi tribe. And I just read something about how white settlers in that time would marry into the tribe long enough to get like the inn that they needed to, to, to trade and do business. And then they would leave their native American wife and go back East after they you know made their money. Well, guess what? DuSable stayed here and stayed with his wife. And, you know, this is a history worth celebrating, right? I mean, he eventually moved down river or over to, I think, Missouri is where he ended up, right? But he didn't leave his wife behind. So, you know, this is a story worth celebrating and lifting up, even though it's on the north side. All right, let's move on to the elected school board. Uh, Speaking about changes, that scares the hell out of people. Uh, Lori uh, Lori Glenn, that was a good point that you made. Change is frightening. God, I remember when uh, Marshall Fields was changed to Macy's. Remember that one? People were freaking out over that one. Uh, So... Yesterday, uh, the um, the House passed a bill uh, that would sometime down the road, and all these details have to be ironed. There's all these de- typical. They left out. There's kind of like a trailer bill. They got to iron out the details. But basically, we're heading in the direction, like within four or five years, 
Uh, we will have in the city of Chicago an elected school board as appointed, as opposed to a mayoral appointed school board. As I open with, I've taken great delight in this. I just, I have to laugh. This is me speaking. This is not Juanita. This is not Lori. But people in the city of Chicago are just so afraid when we deviate from mayoral control uh, toward anything. Voters, city council, they just feel like it's going to be chaos will ensue. Uh, you talk about f- afraid of change, Lori Glenn. The, the chaos will ensue because the only credible, uh, safe way to run a city is to have 99.9% of the authority uh, vested in the mayor of Chicago. And whether I believe, Lori Glenn and Juanita, that uh, an elected school board will turn around all the inequities that plague our public schools and have since Lori and I were little scholars in kindergarten. I do not believe that. I just think these inequities are greater, but I cannot help but laugh and mock the arguments put forth by the mayor and her supporters trying to scare us. Talk about being afraid of change, trying to scare us with the specter of democracy so I'm going to start. Oh, Lori wants to go first. We'll go with Lori first, and then Juanita. Take it away, Lori. Well, first, uh, full disclosure, we rec- represent the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, COCO, who has been instrumental uh, for many years in leading the fight uh, with Journey for Justice and the Lugenia Hope Center and many, many organizations uh, to create an elected school board. And they're not happy right now. So let us be clear that they do not think this is a success. They believe that, uh, the, again, waiting six years for an actual partially elected school board to happen is not a win. And they made that very clear to me last night uh, when I slightly made a mistake thinking they would have been happy about this. And they really are not. And they feel that they want to see an elected school board now. And why should we wait when every other city in the state, well, they seem to have an elected school board. So why can they all have elected school boards And we can't. Now, I know there is the Chicago Teachers Union is Darth Vader here. And they are they have a lot of money and resources. I'm teasing. I am not saying you are Darth Vader CTU. You don't need to egg my house. But um, I'm saying that there are, you know, the perception that they will somehow control these elections does really hurt the whole idea of um, democracy and that one group will just naturally control these elections. So um, I want to say that I think it's a very powerful statement that we won uh, to the extent that it was a win because my clients do not see this as a win at all. I want to be clear. There are people who are very unhappy. But I want to hearken back before I give the stage to Juanita to the uh, creation of the local school council elections that happened in the early 90s. And we ran campaigns in Little Village and Grand Boulevard. And when those were created, which was created under um, a coalition of actually community and business leaders, once the LSCs were created and there were local school council 
people from that battle who started to gain power, the business community withdrew their support and money because they could see the community leaders were building power and platform uh, because I was making them famous. <laughs> Through the Alliance for Better Chicago Schools, we were having press conferences almost on a daily basis in two hours and a minute, and we'd have full court press. And they became frightened of these leaders. So they defunded the LSC movement so that we couldn't create uh, opportunities to uh, teach people Robert's rules of orders in some schools that needed it, that didn't give them the support they needed to really be powerful. And that was tragic because that was the largest experiment in grassroots democracy that had happened in many years in the country by building these LSCs. So it is no surprise that the powers that be would again be frightened at the fact of having to compete in the uh, marketplace of human beings around the, uh, the, the elected school board. Because I just know that the powers that be that were my client at the time, when I went to meet with someone who will go nameless, who was actually the head of a big business leaders group with uh, Joanna Brown, who is a colleague of mine, and we walked in to this business leader with the idea of creating a co an association for the LSCs, they literally threw me out of the <laughs> office. They screamed at me, not kidding, I'm not exaggerating, no fish story, screamed at Joanna and me and threw us out. So that's my story, Juanita. Wow. <laughs> yeah, take it away. Wow, you said so many things that I want to riff off of. Um, so first of all, I will say um, I ran for city council for Alder Person um, in 2015, and I had both Chicago Teachers Union endorsement and some money from some big wealthy civic committee, civic, not not civic committee with capital C, but civic leader folks. Um, but I did uh, support an elected school board. Um, so I just put that out there. Um, very complicated space to hold, as I often tend to put myself in those complicated, difficult spaces. Um, but in terms of bringing people together from different sides of these arguments. Um, so, I, you know, so I have supported the idea of elected school boards, and I do care very much about democracy. I will say, I also think about uh, campaign finance reform when I think about kind of just elections everywhere. I, you know, I also sit in a space in my community where I watch people get elected and I don't think they're non-corrupt and I don't think they're not bought by powers that scare me. So democracy by itself, just because you're electing people doesn't necessarily you get the right people, doesn't necessarily mean you get the right people, right? So I'm just going to say that, right? So I think all of this is very complicated. Um, I will say that I remember I was in high school when the local school council thing became a thing, and my mom was uh, on like 
the previous whatever PTA uh, at Kelvin Park High School back in the day when Dr. Moffitt got thrown out, thrown in jail. Um, and I remember that time and my mom being kind of sad because she had been on the PTA, but now with the LSC, she wasn't relevant. And I, I didn't think, I didn't know what that meant back then at all, you know, whatever. I was getting ready to graduate and go off to college. But now that I think about it, I also think that for her, she was never going to run for elected something. So it meant she didn't have a role in leadership. And, you know, so part of it is what is the training and the opportunity for people to then be part of those spaces, right? And I don't know that my mom would have ever chosen to do that. That's not really her calling. But, um, you know, who gets to be in power is part of the question. Um, the other thing or two that I think of is how many times we at Friends of the Parks think about the local school councils and the, their, their diminishment along with the diminishment of park advisory councils, which were created in Chicago around the time of the park district being um, sued for discrimination against minority communities. And the consent decree that came out of that required this um, public participation process and the creation of this whole system of PACs that Friends of the Parks was part of building out across the city to make sure that these communities of color and all Chicagoans had more opportunity to um, speak into um, what was going on in their parks. And we actually had as part of our Parks as Democracy conference a couple of years ago, and we say Parks as Democracy with a question mark because we're always asking whether parks are actually really democratic spaces because lots of people like to say that as a statement that we don't necessarily think is true for everybody. Um, but we actually had a panel to talk about um, LSCs, Park Advisory Councils, and the CAPS program and kind of look at, you know, what was similar about kind of each of those becoming, you know, being made less powerful by the powers that be because it wasn't good for the powers that be to have, you know, true resident participation, right? So, um, uh, you know, to your point, we need democracy. We need people at the base having opportunities to be engaged, um, to be elected, um, to be a voice. That said, Friends of the Parks does not have a position on, um, at the moment about an elected parks board, but it does make one ask that question. Um, and we um, have historically talked about it. Um, we have not recently taken up the issue, but maybe this will make us take it up again. Um, and I got to tell you, we've had some board members at Friends of the Parks who previously were appointees to the Chicago Park District Board, and they were folks that we think probably did some good, you know, in that role and as appointees. Um, so it's not that you can't do something good as an appointee to a board, um, but we also struggle deeply with many of the appointees at the Park District that we think are just you know, there to say yes to everything they are told to say yes to. Um, I will say I know for sure during my time at Friends of the Parks, I have observed some ask really good questions or be aware of them asking good questions behind the scenes to make some things better. So again, I'm not trying to make broad brushstroke that you can't be attempting to do some good work as an appointee. But um, this idea of democracy is one I think is important um, and good, fair elections of people from the community seems to be a good idea. Well, so, to follow up on what both of you said. Oh, sorry, Lori, what were you going to say? Well, there was this guy, Huntington. I think it was Huntington. Uh, I hate getting old. So, um, and he uh, 
wrote a book about the Trilateral Commission in the 60s. And what they said is that, and if people don't know what the Trilateral Commission is, is it's like this, not secret society, but it's a very high level commission of democracy, you know, countries and the democratic countries and that meet about issues around their nations. And what he said is that the problem is, is there's too much democracy in the world. So that was an analysis that that was a problem. And I think that we as a nation, one of the things that really scares me right now, and uh, we've seen it as a trend across the world, is how people are giving away their democracy, whether it be even go to Turkey, go to India, look at places that had been becoming increasingly democratic or were major democracies, and they have strongman governments. Look at Poland, look at Hungary, look at countries that were actually going towards the West or the lights in terms of democracy and have swung back into extremely right-wing regimes. In our own nation, we are struggling for the soul of our nation today actively because there are still people who claim that Joe Biden is not the legitimately elected president. There are people who do not believe any longer that our system of democracy works. So there is this fear, and I feel it, uh, not just feel it, see it, hear it, read about it. And I'm concerned about why people do not want to be in charge of their own lives. And I think that this speaks to that fear that underneath people don't trust themselves. So why would they trust other people to make decisions about their lives? And so we turn into a paternalistic society where people go, those people are smarter, they're better, they're better educated. And we know in America, if you're poor, you must be stupid, right? That is so much the mantra underneath things that we demonize poor people. I do not believe that whatsoever at all. And so I think that um, this whole issue, again, on a larger scale, writ large, is played out underneath these sort of archetypal battles going on about an elected school board in Chicago. Sorry. Yeah. No, that was a great riff. And uh, when you were going on it, I was thinking back to uh, something I haven't talked about, uh, could easily have talked about it, uh, was yesterday's press conference. Uh, President Putin of Russia was being interrogated by some uh, reporters from the United States about his uh, repressive regime and uh, the jailing of dissidents and the killing of dissidents. And the way he uh, dodged the question was to use as an example of what Russia doesn't want black lives matter. So he goes, look at your country with your riots and your black lives matter. Look at your country. We don't want that in our country. And, and then he further made it appeal directly to MAGA. If that wasn't directly enough, he went on a riff about how the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol was just ordinary people wandering, going to visit. Oh my God. Yeah. And we don't want the kind of uh, response to ordinary people just coming through our Capitol the way you have in this country. So this is where we're at right now with the larger 
to your point, Lori, the larger issue of democracy in our country. So I'm separating the, the discussion. Every good liberal, not even lefty, every good liberal in the city of Chicago would support, I believe, the Democrats uh, for trying to promote voting rights legislation in Congress and would uh, is irritated at Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, for not abandoning his bizarre love for the filibuster, uh, which prevents us from passing these uh, election reform laws. Yes, the the laws against suppression and Senator Sinema in Arizona as well, also with her bizarre love for the filibuster. And yet these good liberals, when you turn their attention to the city of Chicago, they get very nervous. Well, you know, democracy is good for people in Alabama, but I'm not sure I want democracy for a school board. And then they'll come up with a million reasons by the money. You know, it's like, yeah. We have a lot of flaw problems with financing uh, well, elections in this country. To the same question around GAPA and uh, uh, and the um, Civilian Oversight Commission, which I strongly support, and our firm represented GAPA at one time. And I think that it's again the whole issue of building democracy from the bottom up. And believing that the people who live in this city have value and valor and intelligence and understand just like the same thing with young people that do you believe that the young people who are in school, I work with Communities United and Voice, I'm getting all my clients in here, and um, they organize and work with young people who are so brilliant, you know, they have such great ideas and they do participatory research and they really do analysis of the school system and they have such great ideas right and that to th- and, and and so there are people who will say well what do children know about what they need to learn and i'm like what from the ma- ba- the mouths the babe oh, there's a saying uh, from the mouths of babes yeah that it from the mouths of babes that well, what would they know? I don't know. They're the children who are experiencing the school and maybe they can tell you why they're feeling alienated. And if you listen to them, perhaps we could change the systems so they can hear what is being said so they can learn. Because, you know, I work with clients all the time. And so when I walk into a room, I don't, you know, I'm like, I look at my audience and I go, okay, well, I better change the way I dress or I better change the way I look or think, not think, but the way I present myself, because I don't want the way I present myself to get in the way of your ability to hear me. So that can be writ large, which is if you hold on so hard to these forms versus the substance and unwilling to actually change and evolve. And just like I have to work on Google Docs, Chicago has to have a uh, name change for its Lakeshore Drive to DeSable Drive to represent our democracy and other issues. I think that we as a nation, we really are at a generational shift and we are feeling it big time. So I think it's a generational shift of people not wanting to change. And this is all about the last mile is the hardest. Now I'm a hiker. I love to hike. And so I know from what I speak. So I go on really long hikes and I'm like, I'm going up the side of this mountain. And then that last mountain, 
mile, I'm like, oh, F. You know, I'm not going to swear, Ben. I'm going to like shock you. <laughs> I love it when Lori swears. You get okay, well, our ratings go, oh, go up. <laughs> right. And but I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And then I make it. And so that's what we're at, folks. This is the last mile. And we have to keep fighting for our democracy. Yes, because old white people don't want to see the world change. And they're raising some young people who seem to think they're entitled to more as well. And for us to grow and evolve as a democracy, we just have to keep doing that one thing that put Joe Biden in office. And that is to vote, vote. to believe in our democracy. That is so fundamental. And so, so then am I am I yeah. correct in assuming that both Lori and Juanita uh, speaking for Lori and Juanita favor an elected school board? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But I want to say one thing. I want to talk about the filibuster, because I think the great idea that I read by a very obnoxious uh, uh, pundit who I really can't stand. <laughs> but what he said Let's change the filibuster from 60 votes to 55 votes so that the Republican Party will not be held hostage by its extremist moments and we will get Voting Rights Act passed. And if you ask me what is the most important issue in our nation today, aside from, of course, the environment and everything else and abortion rights and all the things that are important to me, it's the Voting Rights Act. And that we make sure that everyone in America votes often and early. Okay. I've been meaning to say before, and I'll say it now. Preach, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Juanita, do you share? I, I got. I got a laureate. That I don't know who wrote that thing, but I, I'm just smiling. Changing it to sixty to fifty-five. There's a reason Republicans don't want voting right legislation because it's what keeps them in power. So you're never going to get a Republican to support. You think you're going to round up five Republicans? It's now 50, 50. So if this, I don't even know who the pundit was. Let's if they put it at 55, you're never, you can't even get 50 Democrats to sign up to a mansion and cinema. Their knees are knocking. So I'm like laughing when I'm hearing that, you know, uh, (laughs) what a notion. Well, but just trying to find a way because at this point, it is a battlefield of ideas out there in the world. And it is true that if we get rid of the filibuster, if it's not really if, because at some point the Republicans come into power. They just do. These things yeah. happen. And there is no filibuster from our point of view to stop them. That will be also equally problematic. But 55 might allow us to cross that bridge with some of those quote unquote um, more um, moderate Republicans. There are no moderate Republicans Susan in the Senate. Collins can go fuck herself. What? Well, there goes the moderate Republican. That's the one. <laughs> Democrats are always looking at Susan Collins. So, so badly. So can I say something? Go ahead. Because we don't say anything controversial here. 
I mean, all of that is super important, but I got to say, I also sit here and worry about redistricting in Illinois and whether we are really protecting the voting rights of everyone when we don't do redistricting in the most transparent and fair ways, right? And so we have to hold ourselves accountable to these standards on both sides. That's all I got to say. Well, I'm now going to weigh in on that one, Juanita. I'm going to say something you're really going to disagree with. I read your piece. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I disagree with it. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying anybody's like. I don't disagree with what you wrote, but I do think we still have to keep all sides. We need to be thoughtful about accountability in the. No, I, I, listen. There's there's going to be a redistricting of the city council. I'll probably bring you guys back to talk about that one because that'll be a, a inside Chicago battle. As it'd be interesting to see if they go after my beloved uh, Jeanette Taylor, Alder Woman of the Twenty Fourth. Oh 24, no, that's what KT. I've heard. Yeah, oh and uh, like, so you know, <laughs> I will go down fight with so JT ugly. on that one. Uh, but uh, in I, terms, you know, my- I want to say right now, everybody. Go at, to the website and donate to Jeanette Taylor because her <laughs> voice is so important on the yeah. city council. And anyone who would try and disenfranchise the communities on the south side of Chicago with a grassroots voice like that, shame on you. Well, uh, I, I fear it's coming. Uh, but uh, to, to the larger point, when you bring them together, uh, Juanita, when you when you bring the issue of voter suppression uh, and uh, Republican gerrymandering on a national level, which is what the Republicans, the tools they're using to hold on power, even though they're a minority in terms of sheer numbers with what I consider relatively trivial. Uh, gerrymandering by Democrats that affect one state, state of Illinois. I'm like, I'm not budging an inch in Illinois until we get federal anti-gerrymandering laws so that Wisconsin Republicans and Michigan Republicans and North Carolina Republicans and Texas Republicans play by the same rules, those fraudulent Republican reformers. And this is me speaking, not Juanita, not Lori. Those fraudulent Republican legislators in the state of Illinois are supposedly espousing, but they got their heads in the sand and pretending they can't see what their Republican brothers are doing in the state of Wisconsin. So I'm like, come on, bring back Michael Joseph Madigan and let's do a map that screws the Republicans. Your thoughts, Juanita? No, I agree with you that Republicans do not have a single leg to stand on. This is not about siding with Republicans at all it's just about integrity right but i get that there's always going to be you know if if it's not fair here then how do we make up for it over here and all of that but i think while we're calling for integrity on one side of the thing we need to be thoughtful about how lack of integrity on the other side is also a danger to democracy that's my piece all right that's good i'll uh i'll allow i i think we can agree on that one juanita all you'll, right you'll allow it huh? i'll allow that one yes uh so all right let's uh the final item i wanted to discuss uh is something i've been thinking about uh, i've been we talked about it yesterday in the show on the changes in the media the chicago tribune I wouldn't, I can't really call my beloved Chicago Tribune because as both of you know, I've been yelling about the Tribune for as long as I can remember. Even before Juanita was born, I was railing at the Chicago Tribune because uh, they're so right wing. Uh, but I do 
depend on the Tribune's <laughs> a lot of great local reporters uh, to give me news coverage about what's going down in the city of Chicago and great investigations and a uh, big fan of Eric Zorn. I don't always agree with Eric, but I think he's got integrity and um, he's honest. Uh, and because the hedge fund, Alden, that bought uh, the Tribune has moved in and they're, they're basically trying to squeeze every nickel they can out of the Tribune by cutting staff and then getting the subscriptions from suckers like me, who I've been subscribing to the Tribune since the 80s, since I met Lori Glenn way back when. Lori's going to think about how long I've been subscribing to the Tribune. Uh, so I have a I have a really existential dilemma here, Juanita. I got to decide whether I continue my subscription to the Chicago Tribune knowing that I'm just giving that money to this hedge fund that doesn't give a damn about me, doesn't give a damn about my city, is screwing its employees, being on the cheap, you know, or should I support, like, my reporters who are part of the guild that I'm in? You know, I'm not really struggling with this. I'm not quite sure I know where to go. Uh, Eric Zorn will be coming on the show in a couple of weeks. I'll ask him for advice. Uh, by then, he will have left the Chicago Tribune. He took their buyout. So your thoughts on this, Juanita, and then we'll ask Lori. I mean, where do you go? Do you support the Tribune, the ideal of a, of a newspaper, even if the reality is something that is offensive to you? Ooh, well, I got to say, I'm a cheapskate, and I don't support a lot of stuff um, in terms of, like, paying for access to articles. I do, you know, some a bit of that professionally through the budget of my organization, but... Um, I do believe supporting independent journalism is super important. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I read the paper because I want to know what's going on. But my kind of favorite um, right wing rag newspaper guy, Blair Kamen, is no longer at the Tribune. Um so I guess I won't miss out on his stuff. But uh, I wanted to throw in that he is going to speak at Friends of the Parks. Parks is Democracy question mark conference this year as our keynote speaker. So it'll be very interesting to see what he has to say because he got out of there, um, decided to take a retirement kind of buyout before this happened because I think he saw it all coming. And he'll be talking mostly about park and parks and architecture, but I think it'll be interesting to see um, what he has to say. And that's on October 15th at noon um tickets are not actually on sale yet but if you um go to our website we can have you just note of your interest and we can uh, get back to you on that so but yeah these are kind of scary times in terms of you know having truly an independent um media so if you think of journalism as our public history or herstory as i like to say then we really have a very serious problem because for the very reason that Ben Jarofsky said, oh, I hate the Tribune, but I subscribe to them. It's because in democracy, we're supposed to have pluralism, which means a plurality of ideas from the left to the right. And then we duke it out in the battle, you know, in the public square. And then we come to some kind of decision. And oftentimes that moderated decision, if everybody hates it a little bit, it means it's maybe a good decision because not everybody gets what they want. But in the process, we need to make sure everybody is educated. So you can have the Sun-Times, which though in the case of the elected school board has not been, shall we say, progressive, but is been aligned as a more progressive institution versus the Tribune. Now, with if the Tribune is destroyed and just becomes 
as it is becoming increasingly populated just with Associated Press articles, which I like the Associated Press, but they're just, you know, they're a generic news feed. They're not actually particular uh, to the native of Chicago. Um, We are a less educated electorate. And I've said this many news shows and I say that, that I've been on here How do you have a democracy with an undereducated electorate when you have an electorate that is supposed to be making critical decisions? And so the loss of the Tribune is tragic for all of us, especially if we hate their editorials. (laughs) (laughs) Because, in fact, what it makes you do is think. You know, over your brewski in the northwest side of Chicago, I'm like being a caricature, right? And that's probably not okay. But you're like <laughs> going, the bulls, the bears. And did you read this thing that they wrote and that sucked or that was great or I disagree? I can't believe they said that. And we need our public history. And that, though, that is our newspapers, our media, our, our journalism in America so critical to democracy. So this is not okay. And admittedly, I don't understand how no one with all the money out there in the foundations, I'm sorry to all my foundation friends who are supporting journalism, but you could not find a way to get someone to support the Tribune. I am aghast. It is kind of like scratching my head, uh, just uncertain as to why we thought that was okay. And it is tragic. I've, I know people who know the people who are this hedge fund. And sorry, what I've heard is they could care less about journalism. Now, you know what? I would say, let, I want them to prove me wrong. I challenge the new owners of the Tribune. Please show me that I am so stupid and wrong and go hire the best journalists in America rehire some of the best journalists in America who are leaving or left you and show us what a great national publication you're going to create. Because otherwise you are a bottom feeder as we all think you are. So you are as low as we think you are, but why don't you challenge you to do and think I am wrong? Really? That'd be great. Okay with being wrong. Show me how good you're going to be. Yeah, you, you you might as well be holding out for the Chicago Bulls to win the world championship next year. Um, and I know neither of you follow I mean, sports. Trust me, they're a long that way from it. So unfair. Uh, <laughs> all right. The world sports woman, but not so much. Say that again? I did not I, know I, that. I played ball. Actually, just the other day, I threw around a softball with some friends. <laughs> They were like, I just met a Juanita. I didn't know. I'm like, well, you know, that was back in my younger days that I was an athlete and a big Cubs fan, I will say. Uh, All right. So uh, since you mentioned that, we're going to close with this. I'm going to really put you in the hot spot. I have, I have. I have things that you said I could talk about. Oh my God. I was not going to ask. Okay. I was going to, I was going to put Juanita on the uh, hotspot and ask her what she thought about those new cub uniforms, which uh, I sent you my column. I can't stand that Wrigleyville logo that they put on their uniform. It's like marketing for marketing for mark. The Tribune's dying. And this is what we got. Ladies and gentlemen, they're feeding you stuff and you're opening up your brain and dropping in marketing. Wrigleyville, Wrigleyville. I got to tell you, with the Ricketts as owners, I have a really hard time paying attention to the Cubs because of 
who they are. I mean, not all of the rickets I understand are the same, but yeah, I have just stopped tuning in. So. All right, they got one. They got the one Democrat. They just That's put her up there. Look, yeah. there's a Democrat in the family. Meanwhile, the rest of them are the right of Trump. All right, uh, Lori Glenn's got a few announcements she wants to make before we head out the door. So take it away, L R G. Well. Top of the hour first is we have the We Walk for Her March. It's the fourth annual Chicago March. And it's young people on the south side of Chicago demanding law enforcement action um, about the deaths and disappearance of young black women that has been going on for years. It's as if we have our own Jack the Ripper on the south side of Chicago with all these black women and girls disappearing and being murdered and nothing is being done about it. Now, as a white woman on the north side of Chicago, if this many white women had disappeared or died, this would be a national news story. There would be a special commission and we would have our very own Sherlock Holmes on this. Let me tell you, if some people don't know who, who Sherlock Holmes is. You should really read him. I read <laughs> the stories that Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about him. So we've got um, a presser and a march on June 22nd at 5 p.m. Tuesday at 35th and King Drive. And I hope people will come out and march with these young women. They actually had an earlier victory where these youth leaders forced the state police to make changes in their procedures, reducing a 700 case DNA testing backlog by using new technology. So I hope you will come out for that. And if you want any more information on that, um, you can, you know, uh, Call me 773-704-7246. I want to say today we are launching uh, actually um, in because in uh, I, I am reading because I am so nervous with the looming eviction crisis. We have community groups launching the Chicago Flats Initiative with um, and they are targeting these two to four flat units that are everywhere across the city of Chicago and beginning to disappear. And um, we are fearful with the eviction crisis and foreclosures that we are going to lose these house this housing, which isn't so important for middle class uh, families, black and brown in particular, as well as white. It's everywhere. And so a new coalition has been launched. They're going door to door. They're um, actually in neighborhoods around the city to give people information, both the owners of these two flats and renters on financial information and other issues, health and safety issues. And I want to give a shout out to Communities United, Elevate Energy, Enterprise Community Partners, Garfield Park Community Council, Greater Chatham Initiative, the Institute for Housing Studies at DePaul University, Neighborhood Housing Services of Chicago, the Preservation Compact, and Resident Association of Greater Englewood for creating this initiative to create and protect more affordable housing in Chicago. And finally, it is so important that we have high speed rail in America. Can't believe we don't have it. And our client, the High Speed Rail Alliance, was instrumental in creating and pushing through and is on the governor's desk almost to set. 
sign a new high-speed rail commission for the state of Illinois, which will create an action plan so we can be prepared to participate in the Biden infrastructure plan. So go High-Speed Rail Alliance and Rick Harnish. All right. Wow, what a riff that was. I would have been really impressed if you just recited it just straight from your head. Uh, but you did a great job uh, with a dramatic narrative reading of that. Uh, well, I need it before we run out the door. Anything you want to say? Uh, you want to promote anything? Hey, you, uh, you know, I mentioned our Parks and Democracy Conference in the fall, but we also actually have our super fun pop-up park party at Humble Park on oh. July 22nd, celebrating our 45th anniversary, which was actually last year, but you know, nobody could celebrate their stuff last year. <laughs> so we're wrapping up the year at the National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture on July 22nd, and tickets literally are just going to for sale today. So check it out on our website. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Juanita. A big fan of Friends of the Park there. I said yes. it. I said Come on it. out. They took a stand on a couple of issues. It was just me and friends of the park. Come on. I'll stand with you with the, against the Lucas Museum. I'm not afraid. Everybody else is running away. <laughs> uh, and, of course, uh, Lori Glenn, a friend of mine since the 80s. She hates it when I say that. because No. She was, but she was only 10 when I met her. Uh, I want to thank uh, Lori and Juanita for stopping by. It's always a blast talking politics with them. And also want to thank the man, the myth. The legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Juanita and Lori will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.